This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 29. We interviewed Dennis Amato, who is Peter's Krav Maga instructor. Dennis discusses how he got into Krav Maga, and at the end, Peter takes a face slap and puts some serious power into a return punch. All right. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Whatever it happens to be where you are when you're listening to this. This is another thrilling and exciting episode of the Blurring the Lines podcast. And today with me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Bell. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Peter? I am wonderful, and apologies in advance if the audio is a little weird today, because we are not in our normal uh, recording setup. (laughs) I am in my uh, Krav Maga school, and today we have a special guest. This is my Krav Maga instructor, Dennis Amato. Dennis, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for coming, Peter. So uh, we wanted to talk, uh, as, as uh, I have mentioned, this podcast is about, um, we, well, I like to think of it as the work-life balance and the lines between the two. And we call it blurring the lines because especially if you own your own business, the line between business and personal often blurs. Mm, yeah. And uh, for, for me, this is not just, um, you know, the, for me, this is like, for, for you, this is business. Uh, for me, this is personal. It's also it's a hobby, um, and so anyway, we're going to dive into all kinds of different sure. things. But again, thank you for joining us. Um, people who have been listening to the podcast for some time know that we have already touched on Krav Maga once before. I did an episode, and um, I didn't uh, run it by you first. No <laughs> problem. Try no not problem. To, try not to take any liberties, but uh, what well, one of your black belts did say that uh, he thought I covered all of the uh, major points and did well. Fantastic. So, so if I'm in, in trouble, I blame Ed. <laughs> so um, I wanted to start off and say, uh, why did you start Krav Maga? And was this your first martial practice? Um, first, yes, it was my first practice. I had never done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bartender for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 30 years old. And I had made a good friend in the restaurant business. His name was Carlos. He was from Brooklyn. Um, we hung out a lot together mountain bike, fishing, you know, that sort of stuff. And one day I was like, you know, Carlos, you know, I never learned how to fight. And I knew we had a boxing background. So I was like, you know, why don't you teach me how to box? So we went to Olympia Sports, bought those boxing gloves. We went to uh, my house out in the backyard and he proceeded to uh, beat the bag out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm very competitive. And that night at work, or it was a couple nights later, I was still very sore in the ribs and I was working behind the bar and I was making a drink and I must have winced or something. And um, a guy at the bar had asked what was going on and I told him the story and he said, well, I got a friend of mine who's opening this Israeli street fighting gym. He's like, um, he's a former Marine, he's a police officer, he did Taekwondo and he's opening up a school. I'm gonna be his first member, you know, would you wanna join? And I'm like, I just wanna beat up Carlos. If I can this I'm like, I am in. So uh, I started taking classes and immediately fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wasn't doing well. It was the first school in New England. Um, no one knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was bartending, I was making good money. And, I wasn't good enough yet to, to quit. It was only a few months in, so I was kind of feed him a little money here and there to pay his bills. And um, before you know it, he asked me to become a partner because I was financially invested in it a little bit and mm-hmm. sent me away to the instructor course. Um, I had zero experience. I had two months of Krav Maga. Okay. It was 10 days, eight hours a day with a bunch of school owners that had 20, 25 years of martial arts experience, but none of them did Krav Maga. Right. I did it for two months and I um, had no martial arts experience before that. And when we were training together and sparring and doing certain things, I'm certainly not saying I was dominating anybody, mm-hmm. but to be able to hold my own in a situation for people that train their whole life, I was sold. Mm-hmm. Came back, I quit my job. 
and uh, found some of the best instructors I could possibly find because I knew starting at 30 years old to teach something as serious as this, mm-hmm. you know, I had to immerse myself into the training and find the best and, and do what's right for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. Never looked back. So let me cut, recap something. So you started with zero martial arts experience and and you had about two months of training before, two three, yeah. before, and this the, is exactly the, uh, the instructor training. And you were with martial artists, defending your, holding your own, as you said, right? Yes. Okay. And that's interesting too, because Krav Maga is, I mean, when it's taught by the Israelis in the army, it's it's like a, it's a quick start, right? I mean, this is a like a boot camp thing. And what's the is it like six week or what's their normal? Do you know? Like they go into boot camp, they get trained. Yeah, yeah, it'd and, be several months, probably about three months. Okay. And but then it's like you go three months and then you're yeah. off on the Gaza Strip yes. doing your thing, right? So it's serious accelerated training, training right? Okay, that's awesome. See, I'm already learning things about Dennis <laughs> that I had no idea. This is great. So, um. Now, I know you notice I, I refer to it as a martial practice or a martial discipline. Um, I know people refer to Krav Maga as just another one of the martial arts, but I've read that uh, is not an art. What does this mean to you? Uh, it kind of gets into the political side of things, I think, just kind of splitting hair. It's not political. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because it came from a military system and it wasn't really designed for mind, body, soul, and and having beautiful movements and that sort of thing. It was just more of a direct how to save how to save your life. Mm-hmm. So I think it became, quote, more martial than, than the art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's become more of the civilian side. You have to treat it a little bit differently, not to saying just because the moves may be simpler doesn't necessarily make it not an art. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's just your own personal interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading that in the, uh, I think it's the, the Darren Levine book. That, yeah. uh, in the opening, and I don't remember if it was the part where he wrote or if it was the intro by Boss Rutten or whatnot, but someone said, you know, Krav Maga is not an art, but I don't think they went into, like, any explanation. Right. Um, and as someone who does have a lot of experience with the martial arts, mm. uh, the one thing I, the only, you know, the major differentiator that I see is the practicality of it. Uh, a lot of, you know, I did Taekwondo for a long time, time well a long time but when i was a kid for it seemed like a long time <laughs> um and uh, you know there was a lot of breaking boards and you know that kind of thing but i don't know that this wasn't like you know like hardening your fists and your feet against things this was showing off that you could break sure, boards. exactly um and i practiced aikido for okay i do think that was a long time um and there's definitely an art element to that um you know a lot of it could be practical but a lot of it is very formalized and not so. So um, I was just curious to get But if you look at mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a martial art mm-hmm. and they're pretty direct. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of physical contact yep. and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I and think it's more of a, yeah, when it first came out, I think it was the first of its type, you know, mm-hmm. very, very hardcore training. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really much like that when it was coming around. So mixed martial arts wasn't a big thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, the newness of it and the direct approach from it is probably where it first came that stigma but mm-hmm. um interesting yeah okay um why so so <laughs> you wanted to uh, get revenge on your buddy who beat you up <laughs> boxing um i've told you and i've told our listeners the story as to why i wanted to get in involved you know yes. i had a close call fortunately it was just a close call but i felt like i didn't like the position that i was in and i felt like i had had I would have had no advantage had things been just a little bit different. But why would anybody want to practice Krav Maga? Um, first of all, I think because it's really fun, um, extremely fun. Sorry. <laughs> Second thing is um, you meet amazing people. The the thing that I love about my job is when you see, I think Krav Maga attracts the ordinary person, mm-hmm. maybe someone that didn't play bunch of sports in high school or you know never experienced a fight never done martial arts and they're coming in in their adulthood you know late 20s all the way up to their 50s and 60s and they they just either want to try something different or try to get more Mm self-confidence so when they come in to see how quickly their Mm self-confidence rises is and the joy that it brings to them Mm -hmm. and you know peter the family atmosphere that we have Um, i mentioned this in class uh, last night you know we come in 
it's essentially strangers to each other mm-hmm. and you're training something that's extremely intimate. Like mm-hmm. I'm trusting you to train me properly as my partner, you know, not to hurt me yep. and you're going to help me grow, get past my fears, help me become a better person. And that bond that you build with that training partner and your training partners throughout the class, I mm-hmm. think is, you know, they're friends for life. No mm-hmm. matter if you quit after six months or you stay with them for years. I mean, you know, Peter, how many friends that you still have from this that Lots. over the years. So, <laughs> And of course, all of that, you're able to learn how to defend yourself properly. And even if you look at that as a secondary benefit, Mm -hmm. you get all these other things. And at the same time, you're learning valuable self-defense skills that actually work. Maybe some people don't feel like they need that, but they can get all those other things. And at the same time, still walk out of here safer. Sounds like a win-win-win to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what does it take to get started? Um, like if you, um, you know, you want to get started in this. I mean, um, obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be some financial costs, but uh, time, um, I mean, physical uh, capabilities. How do we, I mean, you're a monster when it comes to, I should say monster, but uh, a beast, <laughs> if you will, it, when it comes to like physical fitness. Um, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I still, to this day, have been training with you for going on five years. Um, I still, you know, like love and fear every time I get to work with you directly (laughs) because, you know, you are such a monster as far as that. Um, Do people have to be in awesome shape when they first walk in the door? That's that's our job. Mm -hmm. Um, Krav Maga is designed so everybody can do it. Everybody, regardless of their size, strength, or athletic ability. That's first and foremost. That's the first criteria of Krav Maga. Um, so, of course, and it's simple to get started. Um, most places, I know what we do, we offer two free classes. Mm-hmm. The first one is for first-timers only. It's a semi-private class. Yep. And you come in with people with the same amount of experience as yourself. Mm-hmm. And you learn all of the basics. So now you come back to your group class, you already know what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you're able to follow along. Now your progression's gonna be slow. Yep. You know, If you're not in phenomenal shape, you're gonna just be moving at a little slower pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the weeks go by and the days go by, the as you know, it happens very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. You get into fantastic shape, that you almost notice it immediately yep. because of the way that we train, it's so dynamic and explosive. Yep. Um, yes, of course, everybody can do it. And financially, I mean, I think it ranges anywhere from 100 to $160 a month, depending on where you're looking. Yep. You know, it's a, and, night and out, it's a night out to dinner. Right. I was going <laughs> to say, know? you know, or a few, few, few beers too many, you never know. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and don't hold back. I mean, I want you to talk about our school. Sure. Know? Yeah. yeah. This is, okay. You know, I don't, I don't you know me. I'm this. very humble. Uh, I, I understand. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've, yeah. I have not trained at a lot of uh, other Krav Maga schools. In fact, I've not trained at any other Krav Maga schools. Um, but I've trained at a number of martial arts schools in different places. And so, and I have obviously a very high opinion of ours. Um, so don't, I mean, this isn't obviously, it's not a big marketing pitch, but don't hold back. Okay, you know, sure. tell us about what, how we do things here. Sure. Um, so, uh, so physically, not so much. Um, financially, that's not a huge commitment. You're talking a few bucks a day, or yes, you know, exactly. if you average it out like that. Uh, what about time frame? You know, like how much? Give yourself two classes a week. Mm-hmm. Two hours. Yep. Now, of course, this you know you got to get here and go back, but you give yourself those two hours a week on a relatively consistent basis. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some weeks where you can't make it. Yep. There's going to be some weeks where you might be able to take an extra day, mm-hmm. but for the most part, that two days a week, you're going to be right on course of getting into great shape. You're going to see everything you need to see to be able to grow and progress. Um, you need to enjoy your life and go out and do other things and go to the gym and spend time at home with your family and, you know, you travel. So I think people feel like they have to come five days a week and it puts a lot of stress on them. Mm. You know, the simplicity behind Krav Maga is what makes it so effective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're able to remember it. Um, so two times a week, you're going to be, you're going to be fantastic. Awesome. That's not a huge commitment. Not at all. Not a huge commitment at all. So um, I don't know if you get this question a lot, but I guess we just sort of just touched on this. But um, do, do, do you get asked, well, how long does it take to get good? You know, if, I, if I'm coming in two times a week, am I, you know, how long is it going to be before I get good? Do you get that well, at all? I've been training for all the time. I've been training for 17 years and I'm, I'm waiting to get good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
it depends on what you what you consider good and what your goal is to get out of it. Mm-hmm. If it's just to get into shape and you want, want into great shape, it can happen very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to really defend yourself in a real life violent encounter, mm-hmm. it takes time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take that much time to learn how to throw a punch, mm-hmm. but be able to how to deal with the stress and someone coming after you and the the fight or flight takes over your body and understanding the mindset of an attacker and it just takes experience and time and training and putting yourself through difficult times during your training mm-hmm. to see how your body responds. It, you can't put yourself through that in a short period of time because you don't quite know the techniques yet. So right. yep. it's sure. a diminishing skill. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a lifelong, you keep going and keep going. So that's my opinion on that. Yep. Now there are are a number of um, international Krav Maga organizations. Um, briefly, without giving too much detail, why Alpha? What um, what what does that organization have? What what drew you to them? Um, well, um, Sam was my original instructor. Um, Sam today is the founder of Alpha Krav Maga. Mm-hmm. Um, without getting too political, when I started uh, Krav Maga um, 17 years ago, there was only one Krav Maga organization, and it was Krav Maga World. Wide. Mm-hmm. And you weren't allowed to teach Krav Maga unless you went through them. It was actually a franchised thing, and you couldn't teach Krav Maga without being licensed through them. Okay. So um, I was one of the first instructors on the East Coast. I think my number was 13. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky number 13. Um, on, the whole, on the whole East side of the country. And um, Sam was my original instructor. He was born and raised in Israel. Um, he fought in the Lebanon War. He was one of the youngest Krav Maga black belts ever made. Um, real life experience mm-hmm. almost fought every day of his life mm-hmm. so uh, just learned a tremendous amount for him and then without getting too political the Krav Maga, other Krav Maga organizations were able to start opening their own schools a lot of people had split mm-hmm. um, and then I just followed him mm-hmm. oh. I, I have um, you know hear similar stories uh, you know my you know uh, I, I trained uh, for a long time in Aikido uh, and, and after the founder of Aikido passed away, uh, his all of his top students essentially fractured and spun off and did many splinters and stuff. So it seems like a common thing. Like once exactly. the founder is gone, there's a little bit of shakiness and then other people start rising up to sort of like take the lead. But in, in some ways, I like that, but it always seems a little disappointing, you know. Like, like it's, it's, it's very disappointing in, in- – not growing up and, and being martial arts my whole life until I was late in my, 30, mm. in my 30s, you know, I never really understood the egos that went on, um, the politics that went on. And it was, it is disappointing. Um, you know, when Emi Licht, Lichtenfeld, the founder of Krav Maga, before he died, he wanted to give the world a gift. And so one may walk in peace, the gift of safety. So he wanted to spread Krav Maga to the world. And again, he had his top. One of them was Darren, Darren Levine, and he had EL, who were their top students, to be able to spread it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that started happening, now it becomes political. So everyone starts setting up their own. And what separates my organization from your organization? Mm-hmm. Techniques. Krav Maga is not about techniques to a certain degree. It's principles-based. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it works, if you defend one way and I defend another way, and it's my natural instinct to do it some way, and it works that way, why? Well, I is one better than the other. Right. That's not really what Emi intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that is the the sad part of it. On the mm-hmm. bright side of it, there's a lot of people practicing Krav Maga. Yep. Um, you know, it's well known. So yep. there's a lot of people that are spreading the Krav Maga, which is good. Yep. It's just making sure that it's authentic. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, while we're on this topic, then why Alpha Krav Maga Boston? Tell us what what is uh, what's what's unique to us. What's so special? special about us i mean i tell people when, when people ask me that why do you train here um they ask me like why don't you train this place right down the street you know from where i live and i say well i i started here this is where you know it was and um i'm drawn to the people and to the instructors um what would you say what what do what do we have here to offer that you might not find somewhere else well, first, um, I really believe that I was blessed to have some of the best coaches that you could find in the world. Um, and they were able to take me under their wing and, and gave me an awful lot of knowledge. Um, I care extremely about my members, mm-hmm. and it's never about me. 
Um, I never want to instill a false sense of security in our students. Um, I want to make sure they understand the difference between training and reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're not coming to the school, if you're not training for whatever reason, we're calling you and finding out why. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want your money if you're not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's our responsibility to make it fun, to make sure that you're continuing to grow, that you're making sure that you're hitting your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go over your goals together. We'll, you know, I'll do side workouts with you to help you do things at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more of we're a family. You know, you come into Alpha Krav Maga Boston, you become part of our family. And it's, you know, we care about each other in training and outside of training. So I think that's one major difference. So in a nutshell, describe, and like I said, we've covered, I've given my perspective in a previous podcast. Uh, but in a nutshell, what is the training like? How does it compare to something, if, if people have no experience with Krav Maga, um, how is it compared to something that they may have seen or may have practiced, like wrestling or karate? How would you compare it, or what? What can you? How can you describe the training? Um, gosh, I would say first it's very dynamic. The training is very. You mean how we would build somebody, or just um, the, the training in general? Um, just describe a class. You know, and I know no two classes are yeah. the same, so I know that's tricky, even from Thursday at noon to Thursday Yeah, you know, what we try to do is get, first of all, is we really, Krav Maga is based on simple movements. Mm-hmm. So if we can have one movement that can defend 15 different attacks, mm-hmm. let's practice that movement over and over and over again in a variety of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can retain these things under stress. Mm-hmm. So what we would do in a typical class is, of course, you get warmed up, you know, we want to make sure that you're... You know, you're sweating a little bit, and that mm-hmm. could consist of calisthenics or shadow boxing. Some review of what we did in the last class, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll get it to pad work. Yeah. We'll get you hitting something, getting you feeling how to generate power. Work on speed. You work on targeting, mm-hmm. depending on what types of pads we're hitting. Um, so you're practicing your strikes. Yep. I mean, Krav Maga being a predominantly striking system, we have to know how to hit, yep. how to hit hard, where to hit. So um, we'll be practicing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll of course, the fatigue starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's your first step of experience a little bit of stress, mm-hmm. especially in a beginner class, is mm-hmm. just what starts happening to your fine motor skills when your heart rate is <laughs> above a certain amount. <laughs> yeah. um, and being able to push through that and you know ingrain that fighting spirit in you while you're still getting good technique. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we might do some targeting to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, get used to making like contact to somebody else. If you're a normal human being, you may have never hit another human being. Right. And if you're practicing real life self-defense, you have to understand how to hit another human being. Now, I'm not saying we're knocking each other out in the beginner <laughs> class because, uh, <laughs> you know, safety is first in, in primary. Um, you cannot get hurt in training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so counterproductive in so many ways. Mm-hmm. You get hurt in training so you can't defend yourself out on the street mm-hmm. but you're coming here so you can learn how to defend yourself but you can't <laughs> because you get hurt learning yeah it becomes that just a cycle so you know it starts out light to the body just getting used to hitting someone else and you're getting used to you know absorbing a little bit and mm-hmm. it's a different feel than the pads and then we might take those techniques that we practice and apply it to a particular self-defense technique and mm-hmm. see how it would translate whether mm-hmm. someone's pulling your hair or putting you in a headlock or grabbing you from behind mm-hmm. how did those moves we've practiced all class going to translate into that self-defense technique so um now you've mentioned like you know hitting things it's what we do um let's talk a little bit about the style um it is mostly a hard form whether it's an an art or not um but uh you know so that means we strike we punch and kick we elbow we headbutt whatever uh we knee but uh, it also includes some soft techniques, right? Some, uh, you know, joint locks and stuff. Um, what about that? Like, because I know, like, Wednesday night is jujitsu night. Yes. Um, what else? Can you talk anything a little about uh, about? Yes, how I mean, play? we um, we get into joint locks and that those sort of things, but then we're not really stressing them so much. They're so hard to do under stress if that's not what you're practicing all the time. So again, as we said earlier, we want things that are going to be able to work for you under high stress and kind of keep some confusion out. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of our soft techniques might be wrist releases. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what if I have an intoxicated friend that kind of stumbling and he grabs my wrist to kind of talk to me really loud? I just don't want to punch him in the face. So we have (laughs) to understand how to, 
you know, release my hand from somebody or that sort of thing without causing damage to them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So what are, and, and you know, it's kind of interesting too, my take on it is that, um, you know, I did some judo in college and, you know, I said Aikido and stuff. Um, I found that those techniques became amazingly more practical when combined with strikes. Oh, of course. All of a sudden, it's a lot easier to put somebody into a hip throw if, you, you know, you just clocked him in the jaw first and he's reeling, you know. So a lot of these... Uh, the practicality of soft techniques suddenly, you know, like one day, opened my eyes to it. I think as we did a, uh, a judo, I think Rob did a judo class. Right. And, and uh, you know, I had sort of thought about it, but it was not part, not something we could practice in the, the schools where right. I trained. Um, you know, but you put a boxing glove on or whatnot, or, you know, your friend has the, the headgear on and you're allowed, like, you know, it's a light yeah. tap to the head just to simulate boom. He feigns, you know, like being struck in the in, in the face. All of a sudden, you can see when someone is off balance and, you know, like their legs out of whack or whatnot. Right, right. Now I'm like, I said, oh, my God, now I understand why these techniques could work, you know. So that was an eye-opener for me. And that's the whole concept of Krav Maga mm -hmm. is hit hard. Mm -hmm. Hit somebody really hard. Because mm -hmm. what you have to do is stop the intent. And the intent comes from here in their head, so you need to be able to hit, strike hard, make them forget about that weapon for a second or right. to give you an opportunity to do something else. And we do that. Like, I know we've done that with the knife defenses. Yes. Um, we And, and Dara, Adam, I think we've covered this before. I think I mentioned when we do, uh, we practice knife defense. Um, one of the, uh, the defender will put on boxing gloves. The attacker will be holding a training knife and wearing headgear. And it is amazing, you know, the person holding the knife, wearing the, the head armor, um, how quickly this person, that, that person becomes uh, the defender when <laughs> the person being attacked is allowed to punch them in the face. <laughs> um, it's, it's very interesting. You know, the tables turn very you quickly. You take your will away. You don't want yeah. to stab anymore. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. the whole, that's the whole intent. It, Trying to catch a stabbing arm. Trying yeah. to hold a, two hands on a wrist that's coming at you like a sewing machine, trying to stab you eighty-five times. It's not. It's not going to happen in reality. Yep. Yep. So, slightly different um, topic. Um, what are the requirements to become an instructor here? Now, you said you went to. It sounded like you had like eighty hours of training. Yeah. Well, uh, what's funny it was. Um, I had a little bit of a special favor because, again, my instructor at the time was the first school in New England. Mm -hmm. um, his requirement was you had to be a black belt in another system. Mm -hmm. You had to be teaching for X amount of years. You had to show video of yourself teaching and sparring and doing things like that, um, which is why, again, I was so nervous when I went. Um, he said he was a brand new school. He didn't have any instructors. He had me and uh, uh my friend Sean at the time that we're going to go mm -hmm. didn't have all those requirements. It was 10 days. So they allowed us to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now it's for me personally, I think you should be at least a blue belt in crop. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to have those four or five years under your three years or so underneath you to be able to really understand what you're teaching. Mm -hmm. um, because it's one thing to be able to understand, you know, teach someone how to throw a punch, but there's so many nuances and things that you have to be able to teach someone reality mm -hmm. i think that you're not going to get in a four-day course mm -hmm. yeah obviously but but here most of your instructors if not all of them are there they, at the time i think belt. they were purple and brown at the time and they ended up right. getting their black along the way yes yep. right. um how many schools are now affiliated with you or underneath uh, uh, we have three boston? alpha kramaga boston in malden yep. new bedford and hyannis awesome and what else? Now, you do other stuff in addition to just like the regular classes and stuff here. There's also, you have Blue Line. Yeah, my what's, partner what, and I, Jim Klauber, is uh, Blue Line Krav Maga is law enforcement mm -hmm. Krav Maga. Um, obviously, law enforcement has use of force rules and things things to that nature that they just, you know, can't do things that maybe we can teach a civilian to do. <laughs> um, a lot of it is handcuffing, how to control people with their hands, mm -hmm. you know, siphoning through the use of force policies under stress, letting them, you know, um, being able to handle and utilize all the weapons in their duty belt properly and mm -hmm. um, efficiently. And so your clients for that are police, police officers. Yeah. yeah. And individuals or departments? Both. 
Did you say there were? We'll just do a random seminar. Did you say there were things? Did you say there were things that you couldn't train them, or that you could train things that they can't? Things that they can't do that we could maybe tell a civilian to do. Oh, okay. okay. You know, they they can't just. You know, I could tell a civilian if someone threatening you, you could punch him in the face and run away. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) police officer can't really do that. They have to be able to understand how to get control when to be able to hit someone when they can't hit someone when can they use a baton when can they you know when does someone become compliant so it's a lot of very very difficult Mm. i mean it's uh very very difficult to to decipher all of those things and do you think that's uh, like a particularly interesting these days with all the you know shootings going it's, on it's unbelievable you know and now the sad part is 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 media starting to almost dictate how law enforcement approaches suspects and uh yeah. it's very very dangerous yeah. you know um the hands kill and when people's hands are in their pockets and not complying and listening yeah. you know crazy things can happen yeah. and it's uh and that's why these officers need need the training that they get i agree so this month's theme is discipline, uh, and it's something that you've been working to instill into your students, myself included. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, few weeks now. Um, yes, two weeks. Have you seen any changes? And uh, you know, have, are you seeing any progress? Are you seeing any discipline along the way? You know, what I see is I think it's still taking a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, is a lot of reminding mind the, the students in classes. It certainly makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You can see the excitement. They, they want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you start talking about discipline and the importance of having discipline, um, you know, in, in, in so many aspects of your life. If you don't have discipline to keep your hands to your face, you know, when you're throwing punches, I mean, it's not an ability thing. It's a discipline thing, really. Hey, no names. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what you, you know, know, and it was something that, you know, as I'm starting to evolve as a coach, you know, um, really starting to understand like what's you tell someone 500 times not to drop their hands or show where their feet should be or how to recoil a punch, or, you know, and, and show them 100 different ways. And if they're not getting it, mm-hmm. you know, as a coach, I have to figure out why aren't they getting it? What am I doing wrong? How can I help someone? I really started to think um, discipline is a big factor, mm-hmm. you know, and us as coaches have to help people with discipline. Mm-hmm. Just to- the one thing Krav Maga doesn't really have, you talk about martial arts, mm-hmm. you know, coming in and the bowing and the yes sir and the no sir and, you know, and I really think that that's important. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that Krav Maga as a whole is lacking. Okay. You're getting ahead of, uh, okay. you're, you're getting right on to another question <laughs> that I've got next though, so that's good. Um, yeah, so what the listeners, uh, what you don't know is uh, the, as far as like keeping your hands back to your face every time. So when we throw a punch, um, let's say if I'm punching with my, my left, it's very important that my right hand be back to my face covering it. So for instance, if at the same time as I'm throwing that left, if I was sparring say with Dennis, uh, if he was to throw a punch at me with his left, we want my right up to defend myself. And I am guilty as hell of dropping my right, especially my right side. So, um, you know, that's that's been my biggest thing this month is, you know, the trying to keep the discipline every time. And I was here yesterday at noon and I caught myself just during the opening, during the warm up. I, you know, did a couple of punches. I was working with Bob and afterwards I felt my right hand as like, damn it. I, pulled it up but at least this time i didn't get clocked in the right you know and, and the big the part is is in so you're kind of answering your own question mm. how is it working i'm just curious to see <laughs> other people though you but know. but and, and I'm, I'm hoping and i'm thinking that a lot of people are feeling the way that you do you mm-hmm. know it's not going to be perfect but the fact that you're recognizing that you're not doing it and mm-hmm. then in the moment you're changing it and fixing it mm-hmm. then eventually it becomes habit mm-hmm. and you won't have to worry about it anymore and now we move on to something else mm-hmm. i had people i sent out how i used discipline in that email mm-hmm. and I got three or four back you know uh, Iggy's out in Italy he's like I've been practicing every day out in Italy to keep up with everybody um, yeah so it's good to see that it's 
I think it is working, and we'll see in two more weeks. So uh, you, that also leads into my next question, too, is uh, as far as training goes and as far as Krav Maga practice and physical fitness and, you know, regimen goes, you're one of the most disciplined people I know. So what does that mean to you? How do you keep up your discipline? Or, or It's hard, and like I said yesterday, you know, the last – two or three days, quite frankly, is the last thing in the world I've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of stuff going on. I've been busy traveling and, you know, you get tired and mm-hmm. you get tired of the routine and you're teaching all the time and your body hurts and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a hundred reasons not to. <laughs> and, uh, and again, having the family that we have and having training partners and, and trying to be held accountable, mm-hmm. if I'm asking you guys to be disciplined, mm-hmm. then I have to lead by example and, so yeah, I took that myself these last couple of days and, and took my own advice and just got it done. And it felt so much good, so much better mm-hmm. to to finish the workouts and continue the training. That's two more days in the bag that I would have missed. So, you and you have to make it fun. Yep. I think for me, it's a lot of it's mind games. Yep. You know me, Peter. If it's snowing out, I want to go out into the woods and ride <laughs> my bike. If it's if it's a rainstorm, I want to go to the beach and go for a run. And not, I just like to have it be an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone likes to get up at four in the morning and go fishing or go skiing. That exciting feeling that you have. Yep. So I. I don't know. I try to do that with my workouts. Yep. So in addition, and I think I, we have mentioned this maybe on the, the podcast too, but uh, Dennis is an avid uh, like cross-country uh, mountain biker, and uh, he's really hard, hard to keep up with. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we've, we've gone out biking together twice, and it's uh, it's been fun both times. Um, you know, one of these days you have to make the trek with me to do some downhilling at yes. Killington. That'll, that'll be real fun. But uh, that way I'll have a fighting chance of keeping up with you. <laughs> get out of here. So another question sure. that I'm sure you must get. And um, have you ever had to, and I quote, use it on the street? <laughs> you know, um, I started so late, you know, 30 years old, married, you know, started to own my own business. I just never put myself into that situation as I started to know. I wish I had known it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up fighting. I I didn't um, get into those sort of things. I bartended for a lot of years and saw a lot of ugliness in people mm-hmm. um, and was lucky enough to be able to, you know, talk your way out of things and, and kind of use your head a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, no, I haven't. Um, and, again, I had been just been blessed to have some of the top instructors that have mm-hmm. <laughs> their whole <laughs> life. And, and I just – that's why I'm so adamant about technique and some of the things that they tell us to do and how to train and – um, because that's what we have to rely on. Try to yeah. put ourselves as much as we can into those situations. Yeah. What about? Um, do you have a question? Yeah. What about? Yeah. To- wasn't it Tony, the guy who taught you to box? Carlos. Yeah. Oh, Carlos. Did Did he get a little lesson later? <laughs> oh yeah. He, uh, well, we know we all started. Unfortunately, he started training with me. Oh. Because <laughs> we're such good friends and. Uh, you know, uh, and he's a lefty, so he's still a challenge. Ooh. He's still a pretty good challenge for me, Carlos. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so what? Um, so what is? You know, you're an instructor. Uh, you know, from me, like I always see, like where where I'm heading to is I. You know, is I always try to set like my goals in the future. I, I see myself somewhere between where I am now and where you are. You know. Because I don't know, but I know that um, you know you're somewhere, somewhere in between where you're at and where I'm at is where I'm going, and um, so I'm wondering what is your next step? Like, for, what, what what rank are you right now? Even? Uh, well, I have a couple of different and a couple couple different Krav organizations because I've been with a couple of different ones okay. uh, before I settled before Sam started Alpha. Right. Um, so what's your next step or what are you working towards? Um, with Alpha, I'm going for my second. Mm-hmm. Um, I already have a second with Krav Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and for me, second degree, second degree black, black belt, belt, correct. Yep. Um, you know, I feel a lot like you. When I first started Krav and I saw my instructors, now again, Krav was so new that some of the, my originals weren't quite black belt yet. They were brown belt. Mm-hmm. Ernie Kirk was a brown belt when mm-hmm. I first met him. Mm-hmm. And I saw him move and the stuff that he was able to do. I'm like, I can't wait till I'm a brown belt. It wasn't even a black belt. I'm like, I can't wait till I'm a brown belt in Krav Maga. I'm going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know. I've never felt I ever achieved that type of ability as I started to get closer and closer and closer to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I never felt I was Ernie or Sam or – and I just kept working harder and harder. And I think that's why I never took my black belt test for so long. Mm-hmm. I did all the trainings. Mm-hmm. I would test but never go for the rank mm-hmm. um, just for the training part of it. Um, never felt worthy of it. <laughs> so uh, this time I'm shooting for my second with Sam, and that's going to be coming up uh, in January. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Will that be here, out there? Where? Where? That'll be out there. Okay. So, uh, speaking of belts, mm. now one of the things that had initially attracted me uh, was, uh, <laughs> you know, Krav Maga in general, and also the school here uh, was the informal nature of the practice. And again, at the time, I was still practicing Aikido regularly, which I sure. you know, before my uh, my surgeries. Um, and, you know, that was a very formal, very, you know, old, ancient style. Um, but one of the things, and I always forget exactly what it used to say on the website, but it was no belts, no egos. No, no nonsense, nonsense. No rituals, that right. sort of thing. Yep. But then um, belts came along. Yep. And, you know, belts are, I mean, uh, in the uh, Eastern martial arts, you know, they do wear belts, but it's not quite the same as we do it here. Yeah. You know, there aren't generally the, the rainbow of colors and, you know, yeah. it's usually yeah. like white and black. Yeah. Um, so a couple of years ago, we started doing belts here and now they're part of the um, part of the uniform and required part of the training. Uh, tell me why, why why did we do that and what does that sure. what does that mean sure. for, to um, you and I to mean, us? You know, I never was in this for money and, and all that other stuff. I just love training and love teaching. Mm-hmm. So when you see the the rotation in Krav Maga, the people that would come and leave, I mean, it's a really really big turnover. Mm-hmm. And you start to understand what's going on, and I think it because it does attract the average person mm-hmm. who maybe never had a workout regimen in their life, or never played athletics, and and never did those sort of things. That they need it. They need a goal. Mm-hmm. They need an expectation. You can't just come in and feel like you're swimming in the ocean and having no idea where you're headed. Mm-hmm. It's just ocean and ocean and ocean. You know, what is my next test? What am I supposed to be testing on? Mm-hmm. What's What am I learning this month? And um, we never did that. I just taught Krav Maga, and that's how we were fed it. No rituals, and it's hardcore, and it's this and that. But if I can't keep you long enough to defend yourself, then it really all becomes pointless. Mm-hmm. So at least it gives people something to shoot for. Mm-hmm. You know you're testing in three months. You know your date is in March. You mm-hmm. know you're shooting for your yellow belt. You know that, you know, this the curriculum that's expected of you for your for your yellow belt so i don't have you for three months in the army for boot camp and i can just jam it down your throat for eight hours a day we have to be able to break it up in a way where it's palatable and that you can grow from it um for two hours a week if you're a good student that's 104 hours a year Mm -hmm. am i doing my math right uh give or take 52 times two all right so what's that (laughs) two and a half work weeks You know, it's not a lot of time right. to try to def- learn to defend yourself against some of the worst criminals on the, in the, you know, yeah. on the street. So, well, and like I said, you know, your your initial instructor course was, you know, ten days, eight hours a day. That's eighty hours right yeah, there. That's eighty exactly. percent of what you go through exactly. in the entire year. But that's why you're able to do it because you have me for eight hours. Not, right. I, I have an hour. We finally fix everything. Right. And then it's six days before I see you again, and we have to start all over. Yep. Start from scratch. So. So uh, we mentioned I mentioned um, uh, biking and stuff like that, but um, again, work-life balance. What does a typical day look like for you? And you know, as like I said, this is your business. Um, it's also your passion, which is, is great. Um, but you know, what do you do to like relax and unwind? And don't tell me it's a run on the beach. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it is. It is. It's, uh, I like to go mountain biking. Yep. Um, I love to eat. I like to go out to dinner, and um, I like to travel. And I say travel, I mean tri-state area. I'm from Rhode Island originally. I have family down there. I love to go to Rhode Island, go to the beaches down there. I love the food down there. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents in Connecticut, so we'll visit there. Yep. My wife loves the casino, so that's a more of a relaxing day for her than it is for me. But. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, it's a, but for me, I mean, I, I live so far away from the school, so mm-hmm. I don't have a typical Krav Maga school owner's life. I 
spend a lot of my time in the car. Yeah, so, so how far? What's your commute on average? With, well, with traffic. I, with traffic, it's two hours. <sighs> yeah, so it really, so I have to leave it. I'll leave it four in the morning yeah. just to beat the traffic so I can come in and train. And, you know, my last class will be at 7.30 at night. So it puts in for a long, Yeah. puts in for a long day. And you've been doing that for how many years? Well, here, we've been here in Malden almost 10. Yeah. Almost 10. That's impressive. I mean, that's, that's devotion. Yeah, just get smarter and open up a school near my house. That's that's the thing. <laughs> as long as you still come back here so I can train. Right, you. exactly. Totally cool. <laughs> cool. Um, anything, Adam, any questions for Dennis or uh, anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to me to address? Um, well, one of the things that, uh, of course, I've never been in Krav Maga. So, or, well, I did Taekwondo when I was a kid, but I mean, that doesn't really, really count now, 40 years later, or I guess not that many years. But one of the things that when we talked about on the earlier podcast that Peter mentioned was, you know, if you see a shady guy on one side of the street going to the other side, not going out there to prove that you can kick that guy's butt. You know? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, and this is some of the things, you know, most of the people that have come in here have never been in a fight in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and God some of these other him. people, they grew up their whole life fighting. Um, <laughs> so, no, I mean, avoidance is the safest method. I mean, you know, it's not about egos. Swallow your pride and walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, walk to the other side if, yeah, exactly. I mean, just you see a group of people down an alley, then go the long way around. Uh, yeah. You know, those sort of <laughs> It's like, I, and I know I mentioned this on the previous episode, but uh, when I was reading the uh, the Jeff Thompson book, uh, Watch Your Back, yeah, yes. how I was thinking the exact same thing. I was reading in the opening paragraph, he was talking about um, this woman had started uh, training in karate because when she would go home at night alone through the park, she was afraid. But after taking you know, some self-defense classes, she, she says, I'm not so afraid when I'm going through the park alone at night anymore, at which I was saying, why the hell are you going through the, the park, park alone <laughs> at night? And he said in the next thing, he says, now, if this was an accurate, uh, uh, you know, a good self-defense school, they would treat, teach you, don't do that. You know, don't put yourself in potential harm's way. Adam, and kind of go a little further on what you were saying, um, especially with our women's only classes. And, and we'll bring this up in our regular classes as we will give some weekly drills, some homework. Mm-hmm. And we do this a lot with our women is for the first week you become a self stalker. Mm-hmm. And what that means is is if you were stalking you and you know where are you most vulnerable? Now for example that that woman was saying she feels that walking through the park every night and she's at six o'clock in the park every night, she knows she's feeling vulnerable. So this is a time when something could happen. So for a week you start to just become a self stalker and realize what your habits are and when you're most vulnerable. And then you can start to make changes on those those areas. What could you do differently? Mm-hmm. The second week is you start stalking other people. <laughs> now, in a, now, in a sense of that is like if you're standing in line or you're walking down the street, like who would you attack and why? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you don't act upon it, but you just start, <laughs> you just you just start becoming more aware of what what the these individuals are looking for. You can see this one person isn't paying attention at all. Um, she's looking down at Facebook while she's walking or that sort of thing. Or someone else's, well, I wouldn't mess with this one. She's got a purse on tight. She's walking straight up tall, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it gets you. Um, and then like the third week would be every room you're in for a week is pick five weapons that you could use, improvised weapons if something were to happen. Mm-hmm. And not just say, I would use this, I don't know, if you're in a restaurant, I'm gonna use this napkin holder. You're gonna say, I'm gonna pick up this napkin holder and I would do this with it. Or I take this bowl of soup and I would throw it in someone's face. Or um, some rooms become harder than others. Mm-hmm. But the idea there is if some of those random acts that you just can't avoid, yeah. people come into a restaurant that you're eating at, or oh, you know, you've taken two minutes and you found looked for the exits, you've played scenarios over in your head. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it becomes a little clearer. <laughs> if you can't defend yourself in a restaurant, you have yeah. to <laughs> too many yeah. cleavers and knives and things. Forks yeah. and knives and, like you said, hot soup and coffee and everything. 
Exactly. Great. Well, um, anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, I'll just, uh, full disclosure, you know, the school here, it's in Malden, Massachusetts. It's right on Pleasant Street. Uh, Classes are held Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturdays. And sometimes we have special things where we'll do Friday night things, or we'll don't we have things. that going on tonight, Peter? Are you joining us? Well, tonight's that's a different different kind oh, of training. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> tonight we—that's one of the unwinding things. You said I like food, I like to eat. <laughs> that's tonight. Yeah, so you're talking about our environmental trainings and the parking garages. Exactly. We do home invasion seminars. seminars exactly. We do carjackings. Uh, yeah, so, carjacking seminars, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that, that's week five. Week five. <laughs> yeah. carjacking. You know, after, after you've learned how to stalk people, now let's go jack a Tesla. <laughs> cool. No, if you're, just, if you're one of those people that always mm-hmm. wanted to try some sort of self-defense class, mm-hmm. um, whether it's Krav Maga or not, I mean, I just urge you to just to get up and get out there and do it. You... You'd be amazed on what you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. You're stronger than you think you are, and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, you get into great shape, and you learn some valuable skills. You learn some great pe- You meet some great people. So get out there and do it. I, I always tell people, you know, it depends what what are you looking to get out of it? Because you know, people will ask me like, should I practice? Blah, you know, should I train? Should I practice Krav Maga? Should I practice Jiu Jitsu? And I say, well, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? And, um, you know, I'll usually make a recommendation based on what they're saying, you know, yeah. like, well, my, you know, my, my, my 12 year old son, you know, he needs some discipline or something else. You know what? A martial art would be a great thing for him to practice, sure. you know, go to Taekwondo, stand in a line, you know, stand up straight, bow, and, you know, go through the, the, the rigmarole there. Um, and then, you know, a guy says, uh, you know, like, what should my daughter start practicing now? I want her to be safe as she's growing up. I said, I think Krav Maga is wonderful, but he said, well, there aren't any schools, you know, like 15 miles around our yeah. side. I said, well, what about jujitsu? I think that would be a great thing for a woman to learn. Sure. Uh, but then I say, you know, get a feel for the instructors and the students. And often, you know, both, I think, are equally important is, you know, make sure that you fit in. Make sure that the culture fits you and that you fit the culture of wherever you're going to exactly. be training. Exactly. Um, you know, it depends. Obviously, certain styles, certain schools will have different uh, different benefits, pros and cons. But, uh, you know, it depends on what you're looking to get out. But if you, you know, if you're training with Krav Maga and, and that's the, the, the discipline that you need, but you can't stand the people you're training with. It isn't going to matter. You know, you're not going to stay very long. It has long. to be convenient. You have to be able to get there. Yeah. Um, and most places let you try, mm-hmm. you know, a couple classes to see if it fits, you know, your, yeah. you know. Your personality and what yep. you're looking for. So cool. Well, we've got listeners from all around the country, so we'll put a link. I don't expect them all to be knocking down the door here. No, no, sure. <laughs> but, but if you happen to be in the greater Boston area, uh, everybody knows how highly I feel about uh, you know Krav Maga uh, Boston. So um, I can't can't say uh, enough good things about it. So awesome. I appreciate the time, Peter. I, really. Let me thank you for the time and um it's been a lot of fun and awesome. i'm looking forward to uh, later too, tonight yeah as well adam thank you so much thank you dennis thank you sir adam uh i think we'll uh skip the regular nifties etc until uh next week and uh on that note unless you have anything else i'm gonna push the big red button all right i think it's time <laughs> all right you have a good right, weekend my recorder actually you stopped too, recording already, so uh, the big red button pushed itself automatically, so we're done. <laughs> well, I was, uh, cool. I'm still recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, you can, keep, you can keep on going and make me sound like an idiot. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, this was fun. I think it yeah, was it was. Great. It was good. Um, I hope it worked out. Yeah. Well, we'll um, we'll put a link up, and you know, if there's anything you want to use, like if you want to just repost it and stuff, you know, use sure, it for yeah, your promo it materials sure. and stuff. Obviously, feel free to. We're gonna see how it want. sounds first. Yeah. You guys Which, are the experts on Adam, that. Adam can clean it up. <laughs> what is? Uh, oh, that's what you were looking for, man. This I mean, is I'm exactly. Not, this, yeah. You know, what is your? have a chat and I think you know I think probably I would expect a lot of your students might learn a little more about you that they you know never knew or maybe were afraid to ask yeah, sure. or not so because um, you know I find we really when do you really learn about people it's when you hang out with them in an informal situation of course talk to them then. you know and that's something that we 
do here differently than you know other places I've trained. It's um, you know they're, they're always going out for drinks and stuff like that. There's always but there's a little bit of less of a you know a bond barrier. And, yeah, yeah. So, and I really believe it. Kind of dawned on me last night that it has a lot to do with. I don't know if you were here last night. I love, I'm here at noon. We did an old school drill where you oh. just you just got to stand here, and you just go from a passive into a right palm heel. Yep. But you had to wait till you got slapped first. Have you done that yet? No. We haven't done that, haven't done that since you've been here. I don't think so. God, it's such an old school drill. So I have a bare hand yep. in my mitt, and you just stand here, and I just stand in front of you, and then I'll uh, <laughs> slap you in the face, and then you know you come back with the. You come back with the right hand, or I can kick you in the stomach and you come back. Yeah. Or no. slap you in the head with the mitt and you come back. So the worst part is standing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're just kind of like bang. We and then your reaction is to come. So in the very beginning, you know, you get people doing this. Tap, touch. Like literally just doing this on the shoulder. We should, let me, let me, Adam, let me turn the camera on just so you can see what Dennis is showing here. I'll, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll sacrifice a little bit of my, uh, a little bit of my uh, bandwidth here. So. All right. I don't know. How good All is right. the resolution? Can you see it? I can. Okay. He's he's across the the, the room. He's grabbing the uh, the mat. He's going to show you. All right. How far can he see me? I don't know. Can you see us? Yeah, I can see both of you. Can you see me from here? Uh, yes. Yep. I can just take right, a, a little bit. So you just back up a little bit. Make sure you can see. So just from a passive. Once I show you the mitt, just go, just throw a palm heel and stay there. Okay. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So now you read me. If I back up, you have to throw another one. Okay. Okay. So it's here. So what you can start feeling is the old Flintstones. You yeah. Know, you can, yeah. You can. You're running. <laughs> <laughs> so you start feeling all those little hitches that your body's doing mm -hmm. rather than just going into the, with, with the strike. So now the second round was is you couldn't do anything until I hit you. Okay. So then it's the same drill. So from here to here. Come back. Interesting. Yeah. Into <laughs> the face and then you So my, my point was was is when it first started you got people that were just <laughs> yeah so I went into that whole thing about how you know martial arts is about respect and respecting each other and having trust mm -hmm. because we're pretty much strangers and now I'm allowing someone to stand here and slap me trusting <laughs> that they're not gonna knock my teeth out and you're doing it in a way where you're trying to make me stronger and a better person mm -hmm. and it's such an intimate thing mm -hmm. that two strangers are essentially doing to each other yeah so it's and, and you wonder where those bonds that you're talking about I think it's a little bit different with this art because it attracts people that have never done anything like that before yep. and now you're allowing me to choke you and go into your techniques yep. and it's a very yeah you build bonds with people that so we got a big cookout tonight and we're all we got about 30 of us and you know <laughs> yeah. a lot of brand new students which I'm excited you know they're, they're just starting to get into the fold. We got a great crop of new people. Yep. You okay that I smack you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing. That was a love tap. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, too, because um, I was telling Charlie, like, there was, you know, like, my, and I, I told Adam, too, that, you know, I thought my, my performance in my brown belt test was not my best. Um, and, you know, I had, like, some, some ebbs and flows. I said, but one of the times when I really woke up was I forget when but I took a good hit from Charlie we mm. were I think no we were doing like combatives and uh, self-defense oh and you and, slipped and hit you and he you know gave me a good one and that's when I like, was like whoa you know I just kind of like woke up and boom so I like those drills when we do actually yeah. take a hit it doesn't have to be super hard but that you know really you fires you up and we're like oh this is real you know or at least gets that this is real feeling absolutely so, well, I was actually cool. I was actually surprised at how forceful your punch was to the to the mitt. I mean, I obviously I didn't think it would be love taps, but yeah. Oh, you did hit! Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was 
was one of the things too was after I was going to talk about this earlier. It was in um, early on. Uh, it was only it was after a couple of months. I had been I had been here, so maybe I you know come like seven eight times or mm. so. Um, I was back in Vermont training with my friend Jamie, you know my best friend, who actually told me about. Crossfit. Oh yeah, yes, I remember. Yep. And um, we were we were practicing, and um, you know I had some some mitts and uh, you know a heavy bag, and uh, his comment. After a while, I was like, when did you learn how to punch? The shortcomings in my previous training was, you know, it was a, it was a, a grappling arm. Yeah, all right. Soft. And you see people throwing punches like oh, this. Yeah. Literally, you know, they'll walk up to, to throw a punch at them like, like this. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I was like, seriously? I mean, even I knew that wasn't right, right? Mm. But I didn't have any real power or anything. And um, I had, you know, I... I, I bought a tombstone pad, and you know Jamie was holding, and he's like, "Ah, getting punched through, yeah." Jesus, hurts. Holy crap! I do know how to punch. Okay, okay, I'll take that. That's our main. That's our main defense, right there. Yeah. Cool. Is your punch? Well, thanks again. Thanks again, my man. Boom. All right, Adam. Adam. Nice All to right, meet you, Dennis. Adam, we'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. Yes, sir. Have a good weekend. All right. Big, big red button. Big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.